What's up, everybody? My name is Brady Morgan, and I am the host of the Budget Trek Podcast. Before we get into the show, I want to talk about our sponsor. SocialX is a community of entrepreneurs working together to make a positive impact on the world, scale their businesses, make more money, and build their networks with like-minded individuals. They have weekly mastermind calls featuring top business leaders, online courses, and amazing entrepreneur events all over the country, which teach entrepreneurs how to go from zero to six figures. If you're interested in learning more about SocialX, go to socialxevents.com and tell them you came from the Budget Trek podcast. Now, on to the show. Today, we have Tyler Bassetti. He is leveraging credit for freedom, and he is an ultra marathoner. Tyler, what's up, man? Yo, what is up, Brady? How's it going, my man? Going great, my man. So, I know who you are based off Instagram and what I've seen on social media, but give the listeners a 30,000-foot view of who you are exactly. Yeah, yeah. So a 30,000 foot view of Tyler Bosetti. Yeah, you hit, you hit two key points there. Uh, I teach people the ins and outs of, of credit and uh, I'm a financial consultant. So on top of all of the, the businesses that I'm building right now, uh, I'm also an ultra marathoner. So to give you a little background of who I am, born and raised in a small town here in Ohio. I live here in Columbus now. And I have uh, about five years of, of background in the mortgage industry space. And recently, within the last three to four months, I just entered into uh, credit and financial consulting. My business partner, Jeff Seckinger, and I, we have a, a few businesses. Uh, number one, we have the Financial Independence Accelerator Group. Essentially, what that is, is we have now over 120 members where we're educating them and teaching them how to acquire usually anywhere between minimum 50 to 150 K at 0%. And then on the back end, uh, teaching them how to build income streams, how to build legitimate long-term wealth. And we also have uh, a business to help those that need credit repair uh, or other, you know, services in, in the credit space or uh, specifically where, where I can help people, and where I'll be putting a big focus at the end of the year here going into 2020 is teaching people how to acquire credit, how to leverage credit to specifically get into real estate investing. Uh, so it's kind of nice that I have that background of five years of mortgage experience, quite a few connections here in the Columbus area, which is one of the hottest markets in the entire country. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's going to be my biggest focus is serving our current clients, growing that mastermind group and, uh, and teaching people how to leverage credit for freedom, my man. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. So, so you mentioned the background in mortgage lending. Did what you do there kind of build that passion for credit? Yeah, yeah, it absolutely did. So uh, one thing I noticed is after five years of experience, you'll learn pretty quick that people are paycheck to paycheck. In fact, 78% of Americans are paycheck to paycheck. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and people don't understand how credit and money works. So literally for me to save deals or for me to you know, grow my business, I had to understand how credit worked as it's one of the biggest factors when, when you're buying a home, getting an auto loan, getting credit cards, really any big financial purchase you're ever going to make, even getting hired for a position. Um, my own credit was monitored. Uh, if you're right. in the financial space, they monitor your credit as well. So I really started learning like the really basic side of how credit is built on the personal end. And then it just kind of inspired me to see how powerful credit was. And uh, that's when I got connected with Jeff through a, an acquaintance and just learned that there was a whole other side to credit. 
um, personal, business credit, corporation credit, kind of the list goes on. But, uh, but yeah, absolutely. To answer your question, that's exactly where uh, I was inspired to, one, grow my business uh, by learning credit, helping people to fix their credit. Then I started putting things into place on the side on my end where I was leveraging my own credit to do real estate deals on the side or to tap into other income streams uh, on the side while I had and while I was building that business, that really makes a, a big difference. So, yeah, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. And, and it's kind of, I guess the, the transition was kind of seamless because you're both dealing, you're dealing with credit in both spaces and now you're able to utilize that and change people's lives and impact them and allow them to scale their own businesses, which is cool. So yeah. thanks for that story, man. I'm going to give a little story behind budget track. So budget track started as an accountability measure for me and my wife. $50,000 in debt when I started the podcast significantly lower now, but it was a way to keep track of our progress along the way. But I quickly realized the power of education through this, when you're mm -hmm. going through a journey, when you're struggling, when you're succeeding in certain areas, people resonate with that. Mm -hmm. But I also realized when I'm interviewing people like you, people who are constantly striving to be a better version of themselves each and every day, utilizing finance to their advantage, that was also a sense of education, which I really valued. So we're going to get into that and how your story and my story can merge together and tell the story of what this episode is going to be about. Before we get into that, I always yeah. start with this question. What is the dumbest thing you've ever spent money on? Oh man. Uh, where do I start here? <laughs> I think, I think uh, like myself, we, we all spend money on things that we try to impress others that don't even matter. Mm. Um, you know, so I think that, People just, especially on social media, especially people around our age, they just want to show and acquire things that have no utility through credit, for example, right? They get that credit right. card when they're in, they're in college or right when they got their first big boy or big girl job. And uh, now that they're making X amount of money, they, uh, they want to go buy stuff that give them no value, right? They have no utility. It gives them no ROI on their life. Obviously for me, I'm a little bit grateful that, you know, if I did go buy a Lamborghini today, uh, it actually does help my brand a little bit, right? <laughs> People, you know, pay to understand how I acquired that. And there's ways that you can do that extremely lucrative through credit uh, to write off as a business expense, for example. But um, honestly, man, I, I would probably say not spending enough money on, on experiences, so I think people just need to focus on traveling more, building a better lifestyle. Here, here's the thing about spending money and, and debt is debt and taxes make the richer rich and debt and taxes make the poorer poor. So I think that whenever people are trying to penny pinch, they need to realize that they don't have a spending problem. They have an income problem, mm -hmm. right? The richest people in the world leverage debt to make more income. Right. 100%. And poor people, poor people leverage debt to acquire liabilities while the rich people are acquiring assets. Right. You know, so I think that's one thing I always try to focus on whenever I'm spending money and tracking my, my money coming in and my money coming out is okay. How many assets did I actually acquire today or this week or this month? Right. And, and that's where I think you can actually see significant growth over time. Hmm. That makes a lot of sense. And that was a little bit deeper than the question was calling for, but that was good. That was good because I think too, you know, like 
and I, I've heard that before, you know, I, I say that question every single time I talk about, you know, me and my wife started $50,000 in debt's gone down and granted that debt's like stupid credit card purchases and car loans and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people say you can only cut your expenses so much, but yeah. you can always increase your income. It's just up to you to figure out how to do that. Yeah. I think whenever you have somebody, especially in my space, like a financial consultant or somebody that's giving you advice about money, I mean, finance 101 is eliminate bad debt, right? So right. eliminate high interest credit card debt, move mm-hmm. it over to a 0% card, or um, there's lucrative ways to pull out maybe money from your 401k mm-hmm. um, that has tons of fees, right? There, there's a, a few different ways that you can eliminate that bad debt. But I think that it's, it's also hard for me to take advice from people when there's 78% of people walking around that are paycheck to paycheck. So the moment you have somebody telling you to live or somebody paycheck to paycheck trying to tell you to pinch your pennies, it's like, okay, you know, we have one life from what I understand. So why would I not want to spend more money and more and have more experiences and bring more value and make more money, right? And help more people along the way. Mm -hmm. Definitely good to audit yourself. You know, like we were talking about before we started, you know, auditing your diet, auditing your routine. That's extremely important. But you know, thankfully, thankfully I was taught at a younger age that if your lifestyle and your net worth and your experience is not continuously increasing every day, every week, every month, and every year, then you're probably not acquiring enough skills to bring value to people, to make more money, to do all those things that you want to do. Right. So I don't know. It's, it's an interesting long-winded answer here for you again, but yeah, that's what I always try to try to always audit with myself. Yeah. So, so it's interesting you and Jeff's space with the credit and using that to acquire assets versus the majority of people who are familiar with like the Dave Ramsey approach of pay off all your debt, put all your money in a savings account, invest 15% in a Roth IRA, you know, stuff like that. So kind of, kind of give, you know, why your way is better or why it's worse, et cetera. Because I know that, you know, y'all's, y'all's thing seems fairly new as far as like the information that's being put out there, whereas the Dave Ramsey thing has been around forever, you know? Yeah. So kind of, kind of go on that debate. Like how does that compare? How does it contrast? Yeah. I think that his way, you know, would quote unquote work for the everyday person because it's the easy route. It's the comfortable route. It involves no skills. It involves no, no real, uh, you know, it's just, it's easy to get a job, buy a house, which people think is an asset, but it's not because it's taking money out of your pocket. When you're paying that mortgage every single month, if there's not a tenant in there, putting cash in your pocket, it's a liability, right? So again, going back to what I've said a few times, 78% of Americans are paycheck to paycheck. So of course, it's easy to market that not having debt is good and paying off that debt is good. But if you know how to strategically move that money to 0%, or you know how to strategically pull that money out of accounts to little to no fees at all. Mm-hmm. And then why would you, why would you not be up to debt in your eyes? Again, the rich use debt and taxes to get richer, right? The poor use debt and taxes to be poor. Right. And that's why there's wealth gaps. That's why there's no such thing as, as a bad economy. You know, one thing that you'll see me promoting over the next 12, 24, 36 months and probably some other people that you've had on the podcast is there's a recession coming, right? We've been in a bull market for 10 years. Something's coming. 
the richer are, are, are preparing, right? They're always prepared. They're always ready. And that's when success occurs is when preparation meets opportunity. That's when you're successful. And so why his approach makes sense for most people is because they don't acquire skills or they don't understand how to leverage credit. You know, if you've got a $150,000 mortgage and you live in that property, what if you would have got 150K at 0% and acquired four investment properties, refinanced those properties to get 80% of your cash back? Now you can use that money and that cash flow every month to make an emotional decision to go buy your primary residence that you're gonna live in. And that's okay, right? You have to make sure that you're using you're using the cash flow from your assets to buy your liabilities. Mm. You don't need to use your earned income because that's where you're allocating your number one asset, which is your time, right? So why would you use your earned income? Would you have to exchange your number one asset, your time for, when you can leverage credit, right? To go buy more of that time back, acquire those assets, then use the, the, the cash flow from those assets to go buy your liabilities, go buy the Rolex, go buy your car, go buy your house. Those are all emotional decisions. Right. hundred percent. So you mentioned, you know, that the recession is coming, right. And it seems like that's been a debate for a few years, yeah. especially since like, you know, Trump came into office and the market's going to crash all that. So, you know, with what you do with the credit space and, and I've seen some people talk about it, like the billionaires talk about having, you know, millions of dollars in cash readily available for them to use at their disposal when the recession does happen. Do you and Jeff preach to, you know, have the cash available or to have the credit available? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. So kind of going back to what you said, most people put their money into their, their bank account, right? And they get 0.005% or best case scenario, you get like 1% if you have, you know, six figures in that account, maybe 2%. So they're just losing to inflation every single year. So there's a few ways you can go about it. Uh, obviously, if you just have your own cash, that's great. Um, but you need to put that into an account that is at least matching inflation, right? So you need to put that money that is that is safely protected from inflation. So you're not losing three or 4% a year by them just printing more money every second, right? Printing trillions of dollars uh, every, every year. So what I... What I always ask people is this, I don't really answer the question for them when people ask me this, I just simply ask them, okay, if you have $10,000 in your bank account now, right, that's losing three to 4% to inflation, would you rather have that same amount of money plus another 100K at 0% strategically for the next three to five years ready to go once the market crashes or do you just wanna have that 10K? Because then you can go on a shopping spree when the market dips and you can buy everything up for a discount. And I think that's where a lot of people struggle is they're, they're never taught how debt works. They're never taught how credit works until they are already making an emotional decision to buy a liability. And that is what I saw every single day when I was in the mortgage industry, people were coming to me thinking they were buying assets, getting a $200,000 loan. And they were just now learning about credit or just now learning that, Oh wow. If, if I do, one or two things that Tyler taught me on credit and my scores will increase, which means my mortgage payments will be lower, thankfully, but you're still acquiring a liability. Unfortunately, we learn these things either one by ourselves or when it's almost too late, 
when you're already signing the documents on your, your new car lease, right? Or you're signing the documents on your mortgage payment or on your mortgage documents. Right. That's why you have to be self, self-educated. Yeah, that's a, question I, that's a question I ask people, really simple. Do you want $10,000 in your bank account right now that you have saved? Or do you want $10,000 in your bank account plus another 100K at 0% ready to go? So now you can buy your neighbor's house at a discount when they default on their mortgage payments. And you right. can turn it into an asset. So, so th- this credit that's at 0%, how long is it at 0% for? Yeah, it just depends. I mean, there's ways that you can strategically have it for pretty easily three to five years. Okay. That's our whole philosophy is we, we teach people how to acquire credit at little to no interest to produce legitimate income, right? right. Build a legitimate business, whether it's through what I prefer, uh, which is real estate or, you know, maybe you scale out your current business. Maybe you uh, invest into the market. Maybe you scale out a e-commerce business, whatever you want to do. None of that credit means nothing if you do nothing with it. Right. right. Money in general means nothing unless you do something with it. So you have to go produce legitimate income. So when that comes due and that interest kicks in, you're ready. You have the money you've already produced, you know, maybe 10, 12, 15, 20% return on that money within 12 months. Or there's ways you can strategically have it for three to five years. So when these people come to you and they want to join the Financial Independence Accelerator Mastermind and they want to leverage credit, do you guys have like a vetting process of like, you know, what are you actually going to do with the money? Or is it kind of like, you know, what will help you get credit and it's kind of up to you at that point to figure it out? Yeah, yeah, good question. So we have, uh, we have like four weeks of material built where first and foremost, I think that no one can be successful until they have the right mindset and belief system. Mm -hmm. So the first week is just, you know, going through a really systematic process with people on their mindset, their belief system, because really, you know, being poor is a mindset and, and being broke is different, right? So if you Mm -hmm. can get somebody's mindset together, that's why we have that in week one and then three weeks of material of teaching people, exactly how personal business credit works, exactly how to acquire this money and this credit for literally the rest of their life. So they know the ins and outs of how to do that. And then on the back end, the last six weeks of the course and the group is built out uh, with right now we have over 13 income streams and opportunities that they can put the, the credit into, right? To produce legitimate income. And we're probably going to be adding in at least two to three more so uh, we, we've added in so much content since the course was, le- was released uh, two to three months ago. And that wasn't really our game plan from the beginning, but we were like, why would we not add in more material? Uh, everything from having contacts with accountants to how to set up your business properly, how to get into income streams, how to automate it and save your number one asset, how to set up a legitimate account to build long-term wealth, and we're going to be going over more stuff and adding in more material, how to add in, or excuse me, how to uh, structure like a trust. So there's so much content that we've continued to pump into it as well. You don't really see that a lot nowadays, you know, people educating on the financial literacy side of things. So let, let's backtrack here. The first time you yourself use credit, mm-hmm. what was your mindset behind that? Were, were you a little scared? Did you know what was coming? Did you, did you know how to leverage it at that point? What kind of walk me through that? I think when it really kind of like sparked in my mind, how 
uh, I call it like the sexy side of credit. That's, that's traveling for free. Mm-hmm. That's really a consequence of everything that we teach, you know, teaching people how to travel for free. And uh, what's usually marketed a lot on Instagram, because that's like what people, people, people want to travel and make more money. That's it. It's pretty simple, right? Most people right. want to travel and make more money. Um, but when I noticed it was when I think I like signed up for uh, like a South Southwest credit card, I hit the spending requirement and I got all the points and I was like, wait, I feel like I can do this like every few months. You know, I can just get these cards and just travel for free, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but no, I, I've, like I said, thankfully I've had some pretty good mentors in my life that I've, you know, understood how money worked, understood how credit worked to an extent. Obviously I've grown that skill exponentially in the last six to 12 months, but, um, yeah, like I understood how to use credit to not go buy a single family home to live in. When I dropped out of college, I, uh, within a matter of a month or two of dropping out of college, I went and used credit to buy a multi-unit property, lived in one side, rented out the other, bought at a good time, a year and a half later, sold it, sold it for a dollars $40,000 profit. And that's when things just really started clicking. That's when I started to get some traction. Obviously, all of this started working for you, acquiring these assets, getting that cash flow. Obviously, you would attribute doing that to being able to quit your mortgage job. Yeah, I think that uh, when I really started to learn ex- the, the extreme capabilities and power of credit was uh, when I audited my time, right? Time's our number one asset. And I think a lot of us, myself included, we tend to forget that sometimes. Right. You see me on Instagram. You, you see me talk about that. You see me talk about how are you spending your time? How are you structuring your day? Um, is it legitimately an income producing activity for your business and, and for your clients? And when I realized that I was sacrificing my number one asset to get a paycheck or to get a, a bigger commission where I could have just literally gone through the sequence that we teach our members and acquire that amount of money in 30 days or a week or two. And I know how to do that literally every 30 days or every 60 days. I'm getting back my number one asset. Now it is my responsibility to gain more skills and make more connections to understand where I need to put that money. Right. So it kind of worked out great where I was doing very well in that space. I understood how credit worked, but then where the light bulb really went off was, wow, I can get X amount of money, which is near what I'm making now, if not more, and I have all these connections and I understand how real estate works or I understand how this works. I just need to hand the money over. Right. Yeah. And that's how you can build income streams and that's how you can save and build legitimate wealth because you're yeah. saving the number one asset as well. Yeah. You know, I was reading something about, uh, cause I, you know, obviously me and my wife are on this, this debt free journey of all this bad debt we've accumulated, but like billionaires, like they said, do you really think all billionaires are debt free? Like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> you know, they wouldn't yeah. be billionaires if they were debt free. So it, it's, it's just crazy. Cause like, you know, that is more to me like a mindset, you know, yep. being able to leverage a credit because I feel like, you know, like my parents too, and maybe your parents. And I feel like the generation above us credit was kind of like a thing you just stayed away from completely. Yeah. 
but now people like you and Jeff are starting to educate on how you can actually use that. And I've mm-hmm. seen Jeff talk about too, how he said all money is just debt anyway. Yeah. So, so kind of talk about that. Like what's the philosophy behind that? Yeah. I mean the government, man, we're, we're printing millions and trillions of dollars every second, right? The moment that, uh, I can't remember the president, but back in the seventies, they took us off the gold, the gold standard, right? So money just became fake essentially. So any type of transaction that occurs, it's a credit transaction, right? If you give a dollar for somebody's notebook, that's a credit transaction, right? If I, if I, at the time in the mortgage industry gave somebody a $300,000 loan, that's a credit transaction. If somebody go gets a credit card, that's a credit transaction. Right. So, so yeah, Jeff is absolutely right. Money is just debt. And, uh, and, and like I said a few times, when you know how to leverage debt to make more income, then you're going to continue to do that. Right. Right. Whenever you get credit, you're just showing that you have the ability to repay, you know? So most people, when they have a mortgage or a home, interest rates are at an all time low you know, rates are anywhere between, let's say three to 5%. Mm-hmm. If you could leverage your home that you have equity in, pull out cash from that property, treat your house like a credit card to scale out your business or to put it into an investment property. That's exactly what the richest people are doing in the entire world. Yeah. Right. Credit's really hard to get when the market dips. Yeah. Right. And there's a reasoning for that. And credit's really easy to get when everything's going well. So people that have financial literacy or, or understand how credit works, um, we love when, when things dip because we know that we're using somebody else's money to acquire more assets at a discount. Right. And that's why there's wealth gaps because the wealthier get wealthier during the bad times and the poor get poorer during the bad times. And that's where you see that wealth gap grow. Yeah. I read something too where they said last recession – Warren Buffett got like insanely richer yeah, because he knows how the system works. But yep. I'm, I'm curious to know, because you said, you know, it's really hard to get credit when the market dips. Mm-hmm. Is there a game plan with FIA in regards to helping these students get credit when the market does inevitably dip? Yeah. Well, they're already going to have these relationships built right with these banks and these lenders. So they're going to be still serving them on a gold platter, you know, right is they've already shown them that they have the ability to repay, right? Okay. They already showed them that they have on-time payments, they have great utilization, their credit scores are great. They already have legitimate businesses built, they have legitimate income, and that's where most people fail, right? So then the, the everyday person, the 78% of Americans that are paycheck to paycheck, on their, on their, on their uh, application, they're just, they're just a liability. We're coming to the banks still as an asset to them. Right. We're still saying, Hey, you gave me 150 K last year, but I'm coming back for 300 K because I just flipped four properties. Here's my, here's all, you know, here's everything you want to see. I'm going to pay you. I'm going to pay you back. You know, you're going to get your money back. Whereas the other person, they have an average below average credit score, their paycheck to paycheck, you know, why would you give the money? Yeah. Right. So, so at that point, it's more about the relationship because it seems like, you know, through the FIA, through the FIA, of course you offer the financial education aspect, but also kind of like a networking 
aspect in a way you're forging those relationships to allow them. Like you said, when the economy does dip, they're still able to get the money that they would have otherwise got when the economy was good. Yep, exactly. Yeah. When, when, when people are greedy, you should be scared. And uh, when people are scared, that's when you should be greedy. So if you see anything right now, I mean, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, Elon Musk, Warren Buffett, uh, Jeff Bezos, you know, I can't really, you know, I'm not their, their financial consultant, but <laughs> you know, a lot of them, I mean, a lot of them do, they sold a lot of their shares in their own companies because it's the highest it's ever been. Yeah. Right? Now the market is an upward trend. So there's, there's going to be another high of the S and P 500 or another high of the market, but they have financial literacy or the people that are around them have financial literacy. So they're becoming a little bit more liquid to go buy more assets at a discount when the market does dip. Yeah. Right. Again, I can't speak on behalf of them, um, <laughs> but that's, that's how the wealthier get wealthier. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I read another thing about Jeff Bezos. I guess it was like a month ago. He pulled $1.8 billion of stock out of, of Amazon, which yeah. was a very small percentage, but like you said, it, it's the best it's ever been. Yeah. So he took it out and completely funded, I guess, blue origin or his yeah. spaceship company. So yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense because it, it's just, you know, like I said, the, the Dave Ramsey approach, you know, going back to that, that's what everybody talks about. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's sexy to be debt free. It's yeah. sexy to not have any credit. It's sexy to have, you know, a whatever credit score because you don't have any credit if that's even possible. But then, you know, then you got you guys coming in saying, you know, credit is actually a good thing. And yeah. it seems like credit being a good thing has kind of been under the radar. Mm-hmm. While the wealthy people are utilizing it, they were able to utilize it at a better rate because no one really knew about it. So do, do yeah. you think it's, it's sexiness, I guess, if, if that's the right word, it's attractiveness, whatever decrease because everybody starts to do it? No, no, because people are still going to use credit to buy shit that gives them no utility. People still are going to use credit to uh to scale out a business that's never going to solve a problem right people are still going to use credit to uh to show people that they're successful on instagram so people are going to continue to use credit uh not in the right way and that's what we're obviously trying to eliminate right that's why we say we use credit to produce legitimate income and build legitimate businesses and what that allows us to do is not only build income but now that also allows us now that we have a business in place or multiple businesses in the place. And this is why I like real estate is we're now approaching or now we have the ability to offset our number one expense, which is taxes. Right? So when somebody's exchanging, uh, you know, time, they don't realize that if you're, if you're working for, if, if you're on salary, right. And you're, and you're an employee, you're working on average three to four months out of the year for free because of taxes. Right. So even if you still have your nine to five, you should go set up a business, understand how to get credit, get into real estate investing, scale out a side business, because now you have the ability to write off some of those expenses and now you can gain back two to four months, right? Or a month or two uh, of your income from what you just paid in taxes. You just saved yourself four months of your life this year, you know? So it's way, you know, the financial independence accelerator group is, is 20% credit. Uh, and, and we cannot stress that enough. You know, that's the attractive side. 
right? And then we're facilitating the back end to teach them how to put that into places that are going to build legitimate wealth. Yeah, hundred percent. That's awesome. That really is cool because, like I said before, you don't really see that nowadays. No. You know the the, the sexy thing on social media is how do I start an e-commerce course or business or how do I start a digital marketing agency, you know? So it's cool because people, and I've said this from the beginning, you know, without money, there's no business. Mm -hmm. And all these people that want to scale these businesses, you have to have money. But what you guys are saying is you can build a business with other people's money. Yeah. It doesn't have to be your own. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, we have people come to us every day. That's why we have a funding business as well. You know, if you don't want to be in the mastermind, hey, that's fine. We can get funding for you. But yeah, if you want to, you know, that, that's why most businesses fail, right? That's why most businesses fail within the first two years because they have no capital. Mm-hmm. For the moment that their business slows down for two to three months and they're trying to overcome some adversity or three people quit and they leave, you're like the moment that you start using your own earned income, right? What you're exchanging your time to get in your pocket, the moment you start using your earned income, to try to scale out your business, most of the time you're going to be in trouble. That's why we use other people's money. Right. It's really funny to me that people have no problem going to get a $300,000 mortgage loan or they have no problem getting a $50,000 auto loan. Now, again, you can argue whatever you want to argue about that, but why would you not go get 50 K at 0% and get 12% ROI or 15% ROI doing nothing? Right. Right. So, um, it's just hard because it sounds too good to be true. It's never going to be taught in schools because people just number one, don't understand it and, uh, defeats the whole purpose of having a bank on every block. Right. Because they're just going to destroy the other people that don't know how to use it. Right. Yeah. I, I've, I've read where about the whole school thing about not teaching credit and financial literacy because, if you do that, then people would realize that, you know, college is not necessarily needed and that half of college is pointless anyway. You know, you're studying the stuff you already studied in high school. And I've read yeah. that they, they think if, if people learned about what they needed to know financial literacy wise in high school, then the economy would get destroyed because schools would go, yeah, you know, dead or whatever. So it, it's, it's cool. It, it's, it really is cool because it, it's something that, like you said, like not many people know about it. Like, I, I don't want to know the ins and outs about it. And I'm sure there's millions of others that don't. But to know that, you know, people are, you're literally using other people's money to make yourself money rather than using your own time to make money. Yeah. And here's, here's why, you know, people are scared of what they don't know. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So people are scared of what they don't know, which is credit and money. So when you're scared of something you don't know, you're never going to take action on it if you understand credit and money and you know how to take action on it, then you understand its power. Mm -hmm. But again, you know, if you don't understand how to put that into an income stream, you don't understand how to operate a business. You don't understand where to allocate that money in credit. Then it's just as good as not having it in the first place. Right. People are scared. You know, that's why people just ignore it. Yeah. They just turn on Netflix and say, ah, that's a tomorrow problem, right? I'm getting paid on Friday. I'm yeah. going to just drink my sorrows away this week and maybe <laughs> I'll figure it out next week, right? Yeah. So that's why it's a problem. And that's why it's always going to be an issue because people are scared of it. Yeah. 
hundred percent, dude. hundred percent. So let's go and switch gears here. Cause I got a question that I think really exemplifies the podcast. So obviously this podcast is about struggle successes and everybody's been through their fair share of struggles. I mean, mm-hmm. we all have. So, you know, I'm interested to, to dig deep into this aspect of the show of, you know, like w- what is the worst financial situation you've been in, you know, before this whole credit thing, before, before you're doing what you're doing now, what's the worst situation and how did you get yourself out of it? Yeah, man, really good question. It kind of goes back to, uh, I was thinking about this when you asked me where, uh, where I spent, what, what, what was the question? Like, uh, where do you regret spending your money? Like, oh yeah. D- dumbest purchases. Yeah. 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 So, um, kind of going back to one of the best and worst times of my life was when I did drop out of college to pursue the mortgage industry. One of the first things I did was I went and bought that multi-unit, uh, duplex property. Mm-hmm. And, uh, to make a super long story short, half of the, the unit on my side actually burned down and I lost everything. And it was, wow. Yeah, it was a three bedroom place and, uh, and I bought a lot of stuff to fill that place up. Right. Started making a little bit of money. I have a property, you know, a a real asset, things are going well. And that's where I really made a huge, just overall life shift was, you know, it doesn't really matter how much shit you have in your house. It's a matter of how much quality you have in your house. And, uh, so there for a while, I mean, I was, I was uh, dealing with insurance, dealing with the whole investigation of, of everything. So not that I was by all means not paycheck to paycheck. Um, it definitely just put things into perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, it just reiterated even more that, Hey, what you did, thankfully, I mean, I've been working man since I've been like 10 yeah. <laughs> shuffling sidewalks, working at family businesses, growing up, ran, ran a, a business in college. I've always worked. And I've always had this hunger for having money because I correlated it to safety. Mm-hmm. Right? I always correlated it to if shit hits the fan, if your place burns down, you're, you're prepared. But I think that it just reiterated to me that this is why you produce multiple streams of income. This is why you protect yourself with, with wealth accounts. So when things happen, which it will, right? Your cat's going to die. Your cousin's going to die. Your cousin's going to need $5,000 from you your furnace is going to break, your car is going to, is going to explode, right? Things are going to happen. But if you're not prepared, then that's when you're going to be in in tons of trouble. Right. Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, I was thinking about that the other day, you know, the whole Dave Ramsey thing, keep going back to him is to have that emergency fund. Mm -hmm. So do you guys preach to have like cash for an emergency? Like say business goes under, uh, you can't get credit, whatever. Then what at that point? Yeah. Do you, do you say, Hey, you need to have some cash just in case stuff happens. Or do you say, Hey, you know, use credit at 0% while you still can. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would always recommend everyone's risk tolerance is different, right? So you have to be a little cautious whenever you're, you're talking to somebody. And, um, so I always audit somebody's risk tolerance, right? Let's say on a scale of one to 10, how risky are you? 10 being super risky, one being you're scared, right? You're super scared. If you're, if you're, if you're a five or above, I always recommend, Hey, you probably only need like maybe one to three months of reserve set aside. So what I mean by reserves is if, if it costs you $3,000 a month to live from all your expenses, then 
you know, you need to have anywhere between maybe three to $9,000 in your account. Right. That's cash. Yeah, it's cash. Okay. But what other, what people don't realize though, is you can put that money into like a mutual fund account, let's say at Charles Schwab and to a mutual fund that matches inflation. And in a matter of a click of a button, it's back in your bank account in two to three business days. So you're still liquid, but it's just not getting hit by, instead of you, instead of you having $10,000 and getting 0.005% on that money, you could have it sitting into an account and at least matching inflation. So as a government prints more money, that $10,000 is still worth $10,000 a year and a half later right. when your car does break down. So I still think people should definitely be liquid to an extent, but if you're not putting that into legitimate investments that have a proven ROI, then you don't necessarily even need it. It's just there for those emergency expenses. And then you, if you understand how credit works, you always have credit, credit readily available for emergencies. You have credit available for opportunities in business. So yeah, to answer your question, um, you need to get it out of your bank account though. And you need to get it into a mutual fund that's at least matching inflation. Okay. That makes sense. I go, yeah. I try to go broke every single month. I literally like, <laughs> I like try to like sweat by the end of the month. Like, Oh man, if like, if one of my payments goes through, is it going to like go negative? Right. <laughs> I want at least every penny of mine earned income, passive income credit. I want everything to be allocated in a specific area. So, so do you have say like your fixed expenses, like living expenses coming out of a checking account and then you use credit for everything else? Or do you have those coming out of a credit account as well? So anything that I'm like spending money on, on my personal or business, I'm using a credit card that will, that will give me an incentive to do so. Right. So right. maybe it gives me, you know, some cash back, maybe it gives me four times the points depending on the spending. And it also, you know, what people don't realize too is it allows you to audit yourself as well. Mm -hmm. Right. It's super clean to be able to log in on one or two apps and track exactly where all your spending is coming in and or excuse me, where all your income's coming in and where, all your expenses are coming out. So I try to put every single penny on, on credit cards to get those incentives and the perks of the credit cards. Right. And then my earned income, what I would exchange my time for somebody to pay for, for my service, right. Or my product, I'm putting that into long-term wealth accounts that I don't necessarily need until I'm ready to, uh, to pull from it, to make bigger leaps when the market dips. Right. It has right. a very safe, proven ROI. And then all my passive income is just keep building my businesses and keep investing and buying some dumb shit from time to time. <laughs> so, 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 so you have this system kind of like an automation? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. That's the power of technology right there, man. That's the power of systems and processes is uh, that that's where you can also save yourself millions of dollars as well. Yeah. Is, you know, most people, not that I have anything bad to say about these massive companies. Right. But, uh, that's actually where I had a big learning point is, is I was allowing somebody else to manage my money for me, assuming that it was in my best interest. And, uh, I quickly realized after I became more financially literate that while wow, this person managing my money at a 3% fee, I can go manage my money for, a less than 1%, if not less than a half a percent fee 
Mm-hmm. And every three to $400 a month that you would contribute into the same exact account is going to be worth one, two, three million dollars more by you just literally setting up this account in 15 minutes. It will automatically come out of your account. There's nothing you set it up one time. And if you check it 25 years from now, it's going to be worth three, four, five, six million dollars versus if this company does it for you, it's going to be worth maybe a million or maybe yeah. two. Yeah. Yeah. I I interviewed an individual who uh, was trying to create his own investment strategy and get it approved. And, but he ran me through a spreadsheet of like the fees that, you know, wealth advisors actually charge. He's like, it's insane, you know, but, but they don't tell you that they, they just say, Hey, it's a, it's a small percentage. Don't worry about it. But over time it adds up. And I think people, I think people honestly have a fear of managing their own wealth as well. Because they think that I can't do it. I don't have the time to do it. So I'm going to pay someone else to do it. But what you're saying is you're, you're paying someone else to do it and you're losing millions of dollars in the process. Yep. And I think here's the thing though, man, is like, Hey, if you're doing something great, if if some, if you're, if you're at least doing something with your money, I'm not going to not, I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to say, Oh, you're an idiot. Right. Blah, 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 <laughs> right. Uh, right. Cause I mean, I, I had somebody manage my money as well. Mm-hmm. Just thankfully I figured that out when I was 2021. 20, right. I was looking at the numbers and I'm like, wait, uh, first off the person that's managing your money, do they even know about these fees? How much money do they make? Right. I think that anybody that you're doing business with, you need to be inspired by them. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, the fact that I was probably making more money than them, probably knew more than them. That was a problem. Right. And then the funny yep. thing is, is when I went to pull my money out, I got hit with all those fees. Right. But that's how you learn. Right. And that's how I can justify. It. And that's why, Hey, if people don't want to work with me and they want to work with the broker, who cares? I, I know that my process works, my <coughs> work and, uh, and that's okay. But that's, it's, it's kind of like the too good to be true, right? If I just systemize and automate everything, I'm going to have two to $3 million more and that's it. People are emotional, right? We're yeah. human beings. We're emotional and uh, you got to just think logical. Yeah. And, and it seems with this whole credit space, it's massively emotional getting into it because you're thinking, you know, I'm just, I'm just saying from like my perspective, you know, if I were to go and get a $200,000 line of credit, like that'd be pretty emotional for me. Cause I'm like, wow, like that's, yep. that's deep, you know? And I think that's what sways a lot of people from creating that, that long-term wealth that they can create. They just limit themselves. And like you said too, like, you know, not knocking anybody, if you're doing something that's great. Right. Yeah. But what you're saying is there are better ways to do it. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm never going to bash anybody if they're working with a big, I mean, that's why the companies are massive. That's why the companies right. are millions of dollars. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Hey, you know, at least you're doing something, at least you can maybe retire. At least you, at least you can maybe go buy an investment property. But yeah, like, you know, if somebody's emotionally getting $200,000 on a line of credit, my question would be, is it really emotional if they know that they're going to go put it into a real estate deal? Right. Yeah. They're going to get, I mean, the comps are showing that they're going to be able to sell it for a 25% ROI. And they have all the connections on the back end to flip the property, or they're going to put that 200K into uh, into an account that has a proven 10% return, right? Or or it's upward trending for 20 to 30%, right? 
So, you know, that's where you just acquire those skills, right? Um, one thing that people, people don't understand is uh, what's it called? Like Morse law where uh, information is basically obsolete every 18 months because information is just spitting out and technology is spitting out so fast. So every 18 months you have to re re audit and you have to acquire more skills. And uh, if you're not doing that, then having the money, having the credit is, is just as good as having nothing. If you're doing right. anything. Like you said, information's obsolete every 18 months. So do you predict that, you know, the financial uh, independence accelerator, the information you guys are pushing out, will y'all be constantly evolving that changing with the times? Yep, absolutely. I'm, I'm a pretty big fan on, uh, on real estate in the market. That's just proven, right? People always need a place right. to stay and companies and, and a capitalist is, capitalistic market is going nowhere. Right. right. That's why I personally like to put my, my funds into. Um, and then the more quote unquote, you could call emotional riskier is going to be like the e-commerce the e space or things that I'm literally spending no time on at all because I could care less to acquire that skill. Right. Yeah. Right? I just leveraged somebody else's money, somebody else's time to get passive income but the actual skills that I want to know that I know that have been in existence forever is real estate in the market. Yeah. Right. And that's what we want to continue to provide value. And that's why, you know, we're going to take over the, the credit and financial spaces because we're building a network of information that continuously gets updated, but we're also building a network of people that bring more information and skills into the space as well. And that consequence is growth. Yeah. Awesome. hundred percent, man. So we'll go and get wrapping up. Obviously I know what your answer is going to be, but go ahead and reiterate it. What is your number one piece of advice for people, you know, mid twenties wanting to get their start on the mm -hmm. path to entrepreneurship, building a business, et cetera. What do you think I'm going to say? I'm actually curious. Something about credit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just throw, just throw that out there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I think actually, um, you know, I think that you need to, on your, on your path to entrepreneurship, you need to be real with yourself and, uh, and you need to understand that there's like 30 million entrepreneurs in the United States and about 90% of them are a one man show. So you have to continue to acquire skills and bring value to the table and continue to scale. So the moment that you think that you are spending your number one asset, which is your time, to try to work on your, your business, right? That's going to get you nowhere. You have to continue to hire. You have to continue to put people and processes in a place to scale. And how you can do that is, you know, through credit, right? You can use other people's money to hire. You can use other people's money to generate more income. Um, but I think that's one thing that people have to understand that most entrepreneurs are self-employed mm -hmm. and self-employed people pay the most amount of taxes, which is your highest expense. So you can leverage credit to alleviate both of those, those problems. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, man, it all starts with the mindset as well. Being an entrepreneur is a mindset and uh, you'll get crumbled if you're not, if you're not disciplined with yourself. Mm -hmm. No, hundred percent, you know, doing this podcast, it's, it's three months old, but you know, it was being real with myself. Like, what do I actually want out of this? What am I actually good at? What am I not good at? Can yeah. I, you know, talk to the Grant Cardones? No, I'm not there yet. But, you know, leveraging the skills I'm acquiring along the way to get to that point is, mm -hmm. is the key there. 
And I think too, with mindset is just being, knowing like you're going to fail. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, like you said, like they fail one time and they're done. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had so many people tell me, um, well, well, first off, I think when people make a big transition, like I did, they left basically a family type environment and I had a great opportunity in the mortgage business. I have nothing but love for, for that company and the people there and the mentors there. But, uh, I think what, what I recognized was people during my transition and, and still today, cause it's only been two to three months. They're like, Hey, if you fail, you always have a place here. Hey, if you fail, you can always do this if you fail. Right. And that's when you already lost, mm-hmm. right? That's when you already lost. Like if, if, if my funding business, my repair business, my real estate business, the FIA group, if all of that fails, then okay, do better, get yeah. more skills. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's where people have a poor mindset. They're not willing to sacrifice. They're not willing to be disciplined with themselves. So then they can't sacrifice for their business and they can't be disciplined for their business. So right. then they bring no value to a community or the marketplace. And that's why your business never succeeds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think when people give themselves a second option or a backup plan already in their head, they're saying, you know, I'm probably going to fail, you know, you like you say, it's, it's mindset. Yeah. You've lost already. Yep. So like you said, if, if this does fail, if your real estate business fails, if this podcast fails, which I have a nine to five, I do have a backup plan, but if anything else fails, you should just quit, dude. Yeah. Just you get better. Quit, join FIA. We'll get you credit and I guarantee that we'll match your income if not exceed it in 30 to 60 days. If we don't, we'll give you your money back. Well, we can talk about it off, uh, off recording, <laughs> but awesome, man. So, so where can the listeners find you on social media? Uh, you can find me on Instagram, uh, at Tyler Bosetti. That's T Y L E R B O S S E T T I. Apparently I need to get on TikTok as well. I have an account, but, uh, yeah, no post, I, so. I don't get it, man. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, I usually just use, use Instagram. I use Facebook as well. Um, but yeah, definitely Instagram a lot more. Awesome, man. Guys hit up Tyler on Instagram and Facebook. Appreciate your time, man. It's been awesome. Thanks, Brady. Thanks for listening, guys. I post episodes every Monday and Thursday, and those are available on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor, or any other major podcasting platform. So listen to us there. Give us a follow on social media, Facebook and Instagram, and let us know what you thought of the episode. We'll catch you next time.